0: Hello, this is Jane. You are listening to The Philotic Ansible, an Enders game podcast brought to you by the philoticweb.net and endersansible.com. On today's episode, we talk to Steve Syawak, designer of the Battle School as featured in the Enders game comic books, and in the Authorized Ender Companion. And now your host, Gravity Defier. Thank you for tuning in to the Philotic Ansible. My name is Alia and I'll be your host today on behalf of PhiloticWeb.net and EndersAnsible.com. Today we are speaking with a long-standing Ender fan and the highly regarded behind-the-scenes go-to man for all things science and technology in the Enderverse, Stephen Cywak. Hi, Steve. Thank you so much for joining us today hi how are
1: you doing thank you for that wonderful introduction
0: oh you're welcome not too bad your uh reputation has preceded you at least as far as i'm concerned so it's a real honor to get to speak with you today
1: thank you
0: now before we delve into our under questions i am familiar with some of your background but for those who aren't can you give us a brief history of your education occupational background
1: Okay. Uh, well, I have a, a Bachelor's of Science in Mechanical Engineering from Washington University, which is in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, it'll date me, but I got that in 1983. I've been working uh, in aerospace for a number of years, including a brief stint with Grumman uh, Aerospace on the Island. Uh, Laurel Fairchild. Uh, those are two of the, the better known names, companies I've worked for. When I was working at Grumman, I worked on robotics for outer space, including an Android, really, an Android project, which was then called Flight Telerobotic Servicer, and which uh, has recently just been launched up to the space station under the new name of Robonaut. Uh, so that's uh, from a while back. While I was at Grumman, uh, I was given some books to review, uh, basically uh, NASA Standard 3000 which is how to design space stations. So uh, I kept myself a copy of that, hopefully I'm allowed to but uh, <laughs> but you know so I, I started with with uh, aerospace, uh, at some point I got into all my career I've been involved in robotics one way or another uh serial control, uh, actuators, mechanisms uh, the structures to uh, to make it all come together, but at some point after aerospace, I got involved with the world of theater, uh, and I now consider myself an entertainment engineer. Uh, I've worked basically three uh, three main companies for the theatrical engineering. First company was Scenic Technologies, which is upstate New York, and they uh, they do a lot of work with uh, with Broadway, Broadway musicals, car shows. I worked for a company called uh, McLaren Engineering and uh, McLaren we did a lot of work with Cirque du Soleil and some other international projects and uh, recently I started working uh, end of last year with a company down in Maryland called uh, Oceaneering and they do a lot of uh, theme park rides but strangely enough Oceaneering is a, a larger firm than just the entertainment group uh, they uh, design and build Uh, and rent and support a lot of remotely operated vehicles uh, such as the ones uh, you might have seen uh, roaming around the Titanic down at two or three thousand feet however many feet that's down Uh, but doing that sort of work also prepares them for doing work in outer space and some of the projects that I worked on when I was at Grumman are still around and are coming to Oceaneering hopefully, knock on wood, uh, and I may be able to become involved again with some of those 15 and 20 year old projects. So that's my career background, okay. and uh, I felt that it, uh, it puts me in a unique position to, to do some of the design work, I put that in quotes, um, for, the, uh, for the Ender's Game universe.
0: Sure does, and that is actually quite the jump, at least from the layman's standpoint, going from robotics to more of the theatrical. Is it closer related than it might appear to someone who has no experience or no real background in that? It's
1: amazingly complicated stuff. The, the work that I've done for entertainment engineering in many cases is far more complicated than the stuff I was working on At the aerospace companies. A number of the projects I've worked on have won international awards. Uh, One of them is a show called KA, K A, and that is a surf to soleil show in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand. Uh The centerpiece of the show is a 50 foot long, 25 foot wide, six foot deep uh, stage that is not visible when you come in the theater. It's hiding below the auditorium level and it rises up on giant hydraulic cylinders. It rises up almost seventy three feet in the air, tilts a hundred degrees forward so it has a negative slope and it spins at two RPM infinitely. And the Circus Soleil performers perform on this platform while it's doing all those things. And the level of servo control, the amount of horsepower, this is we think currently it is the largest show in the world. Wow. And so that's incredibly complicated stuff. Uh, when we first got the artist's drawings in for a car, back when it was in its conceptual stage, one of the other guys in my office had also read Ender's Game. And he said, Steve, I think they've read your book because this looks like something right out of Ender's Game. And in fact, one of the pieces that was originally conceived of for the car show, which was never used was a thirty foot square cube uh, I'm sure everybody I'm sure our audience has all seen the movie Labyrinth um with uh, David Bowie and I, and they've seen the Escher uh... I there's a name for it I forget what it is but basically the stairs in all different directions in that cube They, uh, the, the Cirque du Soleil people wanted that built. And they wanted to spin it from a corner and have their performers walk on all the stairs just as they do in Labyrinth and just as they do in the Escher print. And that was the battle room, if anything was. But unfortunately, that piece didn't fit in the show and it was scrapped from the show. But still, the battle sequences on the main deck are about as close to a zero-g battle as, as has ever been performed uh... in live theater so it's amazingly complicated stuff and uh... runs an interesting parallel with some of the stuff for Ender's Game and to be honest the some of the calculations and some of the spreadsheets that I developed for my Ender's Game presentation at EnderCon in 2002 I have used repeatedly for theatrical design because it's a quick reference for me for various uh dynamic loading uh and it could have to be incredibly helpful for the design of car and for other sort of shows
0: that's pretty impressive that it's been so useful <laughs> and i'm a little disappointed that we didn't get to see that actually developed and put into the show that would have been something that i think a lot of fans would have liked to see had they known that there was that that similarity there so that's a bit disappointing but Interesting to know that it is capable or that it is possible to, to recreate that pretty easily. Well, easily in, uh, <laughs> by a certain definition of easily. A relative <laughs> term. Yes, very relative term. And you did mention EnderCon and we'll actually be asking you a question about that a little bit down the road. But before uh-huh. we get to that question, the next question that I do have for you is, um, you've been involved with the Ender's Game community now for over a decade. You helped found um a site that's been around and available for fans since 2000. Um, it's been mentioned in numerous Orson Scott card books, namely the Shadow series. that has been published since that time. When was it that you first read the books, and what was it about them that was so special that really grabbed your attention?
1: Well, I... First read, I think I first read Ender's Game in 96, or thereabouts, uh, 96, between 96 and 98. I was working at Scenic Technologies uh, at the time, and one of the guys there handed me a copy of the book, and uh, I probably read through it three or four times until the book just totally fell apart in my hands. I'd heard about the book before. I didn't know that much about it, but i had heard enough uh, things about it where I knew I wanted to, to get a hold of it. And he handed me this book. I realized this was the story I had heard about. So I pretty much devoured it. I really like the way Orson Scott Card uh, writes about people. I think he's got a, a, a wonderful touch there. Uh, but I also recognize that my strengths are not in characterization. My strengths are in design. So I said, okay, if I were to design some of these things, what would they look like? What What do I agree with in his books? What do I disagree with in his books? How, if I had to make this real, how would I make this real? So uh, basically at that point I found Fresco Pictures, or Fresco Pics, I think it was, which was a website that Card had put together, Uh, and the big thing I remember about it is there were very well structured uh, uh, bulletin board system for people to talk to on a bulletin board system. So I started posting questions. You know, uh, I basically said, "Here's who I am. Here's what I do. Here's what I'm interested in doing." I said, "You know, we can sit here and discuss. You know, talk about the characters, but you know, the characters are what Card has, has said they are. I want to design the battle school. I want to design the battle room and other aspects of uh, the story." that cards typically you know his stories are not about the technology they're more about the people and the interactions between the people I said my strength is the technology that's where I want to focus who wants to join me Uh, a number of people came along for the ride Uh, I'm not gonna remember everybody's name unfortunately Uh, Ethan Herdu and uh, Darian Robbins uh, were two main contributors uh, to ideas and uh, Darian did a lot of hand-drawn artwork which has uh, made the rounds and uh, with their help and with the help of a number of other people on Fresco Pictures uh, and eventually that moved on to Philotic Web and that got created. You now I pieced together ideas and I had no you know, other people I could bounce my concepts off of and so bit by bit I started looking at uh, what card had written and piece together ideas as to what the battle school might look like and what the battle room might look like within that. But that was all starting around uh, 96, 98, thereabouts.
0: Okay. And you mentioned that there were some things that you disagreed with as far as technology. Are there any quick examples that you can give?
1: Well, the, the, in, the, in Ender's game, he has very odd ways to access the battle rooms, for instance. He had nine battle rooms but he basically had them shuttle along a corridor somehow and he never went into detail as to how but you basically you go into the first room and through an opening in the door and then it slides away from that opening so your exit is blocked and then the next room slides into place and you go through the same opening in the hallway but now you're going into the next battle room and the next battle room so it's sequential access and i thought that was interesting i didn't Quite know why he he was he felt compelled to do that, um, but again I recognize that you know he's he's a smart guy, but he's not an engineer, um, and I also realized that he sort of violated his own rule when you could end a game at any time. In other words, you could exit a battle room at any time in the sequence, but you could only enter it under strict sequential control. So there was something odd there. In addition, if there was an injury in the battle room and you couldn't get out when you wanted to that would be a pretty serious hazard you could have people die again i looked at this as if it were a real thing and how would i make it real so i i, I sketched up a number of ideas i looked at ways where you can get into any battle room at any time and eventually i came up with uh, the idea that i've I'd been pushing um, the idea that's pretty much made it to the authorized ender's companion and to some extent extent the uh, the Marvel Comics, which is three groups of three. And you can get into any battle room at any time. And I think Card I can't remember if it was an Ender's game, the novel, or an Ender's game, the shorts well, actually it was more of a novelette, where the gravity vector in the hallways outside the battle rooms could shift. And I always figured his intent there was to intentionally disorient uh, the students as they go in, but from a physical slash practical, and I put practical in quotes, uh, point of view, it didn't make sense to me. So I developed the ideas for the battle school and the battle rooms, again, you know, working with some of the, the people on uh, Fresco Pictures, and at some point, Philotic Web, uh, and then when I made the presentation at EnderCon in 2002, I basically treated Ender's Game and Ender's Shadow, which was out at that point. I said, okay, let's consider these as specifications from the client. And Orson Scott Card is the client, and these books basically embody specifications for these battle rooms and battle schools, etc. And let me write down what they are, and let me meet as many of them as I can, but I'm not going to be able to meet all of them, and some of them I'm going to have to reject. And so piecing that all together, I came up with a design and passed it by Scott, and he gave me the thumbs up for it.
0: Okay. Now, you did mention just a few moments ago that you did give a presentation at EnderCon in 2002 regarding the science and technology of the books. So you had been looking at the technology, what you felt was possible, what wasn't possible, but how did you actually get to the point of being able to present that information at the EnderCon?
1: Well, I, I'm trying to remember if I spoke with Scott um, either email or or on the telephone before the endercon, but I know that there had been some, uh, probably through emails and probably through you know his contributing to some of the uh, bulletin board discussions. Uh, I got to know him a little bit. Uh, we are at best acquaintances. We're not friends. Uh, you know, obviously, I'd recognize him in the street, he might so recognize me. We haven't, he hasn't seen me in a long time, but he did give some uh, talks at some uh, bookshops, and I attended the talks, and I showed him my drawings and my work there, and talked with him a little bit, and he approved of the stuff, and we struck up a acquaintanceship. Uh, emailed more often. I got to know him a little bit, got to know uh, Kathleen Bellamy, his personal assistant. And so things went back and forth uh, with that.
0: Okay. Now, you also mentioned earlier, uh, just a little while ago, actually, that you've had some of your work in the official um, authorized under companion, that some of your work has shown up in the Marvel comics can you elaborate a little bit as to how that process came about where you contacted did you have to contact others were they aware of your work because of your uh, relationship with Orson Scott Card beforehand how did that come about and how was it to see your work integrated into these things that were basically going out to rather large audiences
1: mm-hmm. well I, I was contacted by a uh, card I think was, I I haven't had a chance to check emails to, to, to trace all this down. But more than likely, I was contacted by Kathleen Bellamy at first. Uh, I also was put into contact with Jake Black, uh, who's the author of a majority of uh, The Authorized Enders Companion. And uh, so I had sent out, at one point years ago, I had sent out some CD-ROMs. With uh, my EnderCon presentation on them, uh, also contained artwork and stills uh, from a lot of the computer graphics work I had done uh, of the designs, and uh, basically, you know, I, I talked with Scott and came up with uh, an, an agreement for getting my stuff used in in the book and by Marvel Comics. Uh, I did not ever get a chance, unfortunately, to talk to any of the artists from Marvel Comics. Um, I don't know why but I just wasn't given the opportunity uh... and you know, my complaint there is that the, the battle school is a little bit bigger on the inside than it is on the outside uh... looking at it it's uh... it's clearly derived from my designs for the battle school but the it doesn't really appear to be a way to fit the battle rooms within it so it is what it is, uh, and you know there's not much I can do about it. But you know, I also then was given the opportunity to 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 get my stuff into the uh, the companion. So I made up some new artwork. I was able to use a lot of existing artwork, and I did an awful lot of writing for about two or four weeks to try and explain a lot of other areas that I didn't necessarily have uh, imagery for but also trying to keep up with some of the additional specifications, if you would, that uh, that uh, card put together on uh, things such as the the Star Drive and stuff like that.
0: Okay. And do you feel like there's anything left in the Enderverse that you haven't really touched as far as the science and technology, or do you feel like you've gotten the gist of it?
1: I, I think I've taken it as far as I am uh need to take it or want to take it. Um, you know, if I go any further, I'm going to actually have to start designing real things. Uh in the companion. I try to make reference to real science and technology wherever I can. They are starting to do some work with uh superconducting materials and they're able to get very sub-fractional artificial gravity fields going. Uh so I expanded upon that. Basically, I took a little bit of fact and I wove a lot of fiction around it. You no, know, I, I took, you know what we currently know about um, a certain type of metal called nitinol, which is a, a shape memory alloy that exists today. And I expanded those concepts into ways to get a, uh, a battle suit to freeze and thaw, and to get things to actuate quickly. Uh, you know, other things, star positions in the battle room, the way the hook would work you know it's it's easy these days you know well you know knowing what I know about servo control and position sensing uh, all things that can be done with current technology uh, adding that as a layer to you know pretend technology such as the artificial gravity and you can see how some of these things could work so it's you know 50% real and 50% fake so i, I think i've taken it as far as you know, is reasonable unless I want to start making superconducting alloys in my basement, which I'm not going to be doing. <laughs> uh, the one thing that remains for me to do, though, is to try and have an impact on the film, on the Enders Game film. Uh, or, you know, Supposedly it's uh, going to be starting, we're going to start shooting the live action within a week or two uh, down in New Orleans. And if that is the case, it seems like it is, then it's likely that they've already done some pre-production planning. They've already started to sketch what the battle schools should look like, what the battle rooms will look like, uh, how it will all fit together. And I have been going nuts trying to get in touch with the people who are involved with this pre-production design to try and, and help them. Basically, as an engineer, uh, you know I want to see things done Right, especially, I, and I have a vested interest in seeing, you know, my battle school well represented up on the silver screen. I'd like it to be big enough to house the battle rooms, for instance. I designed some aspects of the battle school that enables you to go from the revolving habitation rings to the static center, and I think that the the method I employed, and this is all written up in the companion, uh, actually fits in thematically with the book itself and I think it would be a wonderful addition to the film it's a little disorienting until you you know, get your head wrapped around it properly and then it, it all sort of strains itself out and it hopefully is perceived as amazing so I've been trying to get a hold of these guys as best I can I've had some response but not yet with the right people So that's that's that is my next and that will be more than likely my, my final uh, steps with uh, the world of uh, Ender's Game.
0: So you foresee after the movie's coming out, perhaps, except for the references, like you mentioned earlier, that you still make when you're designing for, for the theatrical sort of shows. Do you think that once the movie's out, you're you're done with Ender's universe?
1: I think I'll have run out of things to do. Um, there is talk that uh, Summit and the other production companies are, are looking to make... Uh, I am assuming the Shadow series into a, a series of films for a young adult audience. But uh, if that is the case, the Shadow series takes place on Earth. It doesn't really involve the Battle School any further. And also, once the Battle School is established uh, in the first film, hopefully, it won't need modification in subsequent films. It should pretty much stay as what it is. The the Battle School. Uh, changes uh, in the novels from uh, from the novelette to the uh, to Ender's Game to Ender's Shadow and I actually made uh, a brief and what I was hoping might be humorous reference to this uh, in the Ender's uh, Companion. But I think once, once the film is out things will be set in stone and in essence my work will, will be done.
0: So do you feel like as an engineer, you're not only going into seeing the movie, whether or not you actually get to work on it, you're going into it, however, as both a fan of the book and as someone who knows about these things that should be happening as far as the science. Do you feel like the science getting being done right is more important on the same level as the story be done right? Would you be more or less upset if the story was done Wrong, but the science was done correctly. How do you feel about them getting either or both components?
1: Well, I, I you know, a, a fictional film is not about the technology, it's about the people and the interactions between people. If the science is acceptable, then that's good. If the science is wrong or blatantly wrong, that's bad no matter how good in my mind no matter how good the story is Um, for instance the recent movie Hugo by uh, Scorsese that has uh, both Ben Kingsley and Asa Butterfield in it Kingsley and Butterfield both now being in Ender's Game. A gorgeous film I I love the movie if I had the money you would make me want to buy a 3D TV so I could watch it at home once the Blu-ray discs came out however there are two or three scenes in the film that just get the laws of physics wrong basic Newton's motion objects accelerating and decelerating and how long it takes them to stop um, it plays games with them and it gets them wrong and I know why they do that because they need to heighten tension but as an engineer I cannot turn off that part of myself that's running the numbers in my head and saying yes this trains going too fast it's not going to stop in time no matter what they do and then, miraculously, it does. And I realize that it's Scorsese building tension, and in doing so, he has to sort of force the issue of the physics. The physics is always going to take a backseat to the story. I, I've learned to accept that. Uh, if the physics is reasonable, I'm fine. If the physics is horrible, it doesn't work for me. And you know, science fiction makes a lot of presumptions. You know the the way artificial gravity works in Star Wars, for instance. If you don't buy it, then you're not going to enjoy the movie. Uh, but you know, at some point, I you know part of me goes in and, and nitpicks the physics. And since I know what can work for Ender's Game, uh, I'd love to be able to get involved with that up front, so that you know. The small percentage of people who are obsessed about it, like I am, um, can continue to enjoy the film. I think overall it makes for a better film because I think people, even if they're not engineers, even if they're not physics or math students, they have a sense about how things work. And if that sense is violated, even though they can't necessarily put words or numbers to it, there's a sense of unease as they're watching the film. And if that can be overcome, I think that's a benefit
0: absolutely and i have one last question for you before we go ahead and end the interview here and it is Mm -hmm. going back a bit to the actual ender's game story not so much the science and technology but it's something that i know that your children have either read or at least been exposed to um your son actually contributed many years ago an image of a bugger um to the now defunct philotic web fan art section um what do you think it is about this book or this series of books, it makes it so accessible to people of all ages.
1: Well, my, my, my son wrote, uh, drew a, a image of the bugger. and actually got Orson Scott Card to sign it. And my daughter drew a picture of the battle, battle room. And Scott signed that as well. Uh, my son actually never read the book. He just heard me reading it time and time again. And my daughter has probably read it over half a dozen times. And Enters shadow as well, and she really gets a big kick out of it. And I, I think it appeals to to kids because it's about kids. Uh, I think it, it, it appeals to adults because we can still connect with, you know, feeling isolated as kids. Uh, you know, a lot of science fiction stories, the the, the lead character is sort of an outcast. I think perhaps a lot of science fiction readers have that feeling as well Uh, so they'll tend to identify uh, with the main characters Uh, I also like the way the characters interacted and the way they talk to each other Uh, I know this has been debated I feel that it was very realistic for very smart kids to talk to each other that way so I was always intrigued by the interactions between the characters I like the setup of the story Uh, I like the growth of the characters, um, and I think that appeals to to all ages.
0: Sounds like a reasonable answer to me. So, Steve, I want to thank you again so much for agreeing to join us today. It was a real pleasure. I loved hearing your answers. I've known of you and I've sort of interacted with you on and off for the past nine years and I didn't know the answers to all of those <laughs> things so it's really a pleasure getting to to hear all of that so thank you so much
1: you're very welcome thank you
0: and I do want to thank everyone for tuning in be sure to check back at Ender's Ansible for all your up-to-date movie and book news and stop by philoticweb.net to chat with other fans Remember, the enemy's gate is down.